Let's also turn in God's word to Psalm 110. So today we'll look at the teaching of God's word regarding our kingship, our lordship of Jesus. Psalm 110 is one of those beautiful messianic psalms that speaks about our Lord's kingship. Psalm 110, the psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. In holy garments from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. So far from God's word. Let's also turn to our confession. Hudbrook Catechism, Lord's Day 19. We found on page 880s, the Trinity Psalter Hymnal. Lord's Day 19, our question and answer 50. Why the next words? And sits at the right hand of God. Christ ascended to heaven, there to show that he is head of his church, the one through whom the Father governs all things. How does this glory of Christ our head benefit us? First, through his Holy Spirit, he pours out gifts from heaven upon us, his members. Second, by his power, he defends us and preserves us from all enemies. How does Christ's return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? In all distress and persecution, with uplifted head, I confidently await the judge who has already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place and remove the whole curse from me. Christ will cast all his enemies and mine into everlasting condemnation, but will take me and all, all his chosen ones to himself into the joy and glory of heaven. Dear brothers and sisters, do you worry about where Canada is going, about where the world is going? Hatred towards God and his ways seems to be on the increase. Hatred towards the church seems to be on the increase. Laws are promoted and even passed that seem to be directed particularly against the church teaching the truth of God's word. Government decisions seem to affect us more and more as church and 
the trend doesn't seem to be positive. At the same time, our entire society seems to be turning away from God. The truth and what is good is being redefined every year again. If we would be taken to court, there seems to be less and less certainty that we could defend ourselves against charges of hatred that would have been seen as ridiculous by the courts only years ago. More and more we can wonder what will happen to the church over the next decades. How long will, there, will it be before there is open persecution? On the surface, it can seem quite bleak for the church. The more we look at what happen, what's happening in our society, the bleaker the picture can look. It can make us fearful. It can make us anxious. It can make us want to either fight or flee. But it is in these times that we need to remember to look at the big picture. Even as we see all the changes in the world around us, it is important not to forget what, te what Scripture teaches about history and about who is in control. When we do this, our outlook on what is happening today can be much more positive. For then we remember that Jesus, our head, rules over all things. Our prime premier and prime minister, the rulers of the United States, Russia, Canada, and every other country rule under him. Then we can remember that no matter how much they might hate Jesus, they are under his command and cannot do anything without him allowing it. Then we remember that our Savior is ruling in heaven for our benefit. Then we also remember that even if our Lord in his great wisdom should decide that it is for the benefit of his kingdom work that we as church should suffer greatly and without any hope of justice in this life, the guilty will not remain unpunished. For one day Jesus our head, the ruler over all creation, will come back to earth to judge all creation, then all his and our enemies will be eternally punished, and we will be received in eternal joy. Brothers and sisters, as we see the world around us changing for the worse, let us never forget that our Savior is King. And that'll be our theme for this afternoon. Our Savior is King. Look at three points. First, he rules as head of the church. Secondly, he rules for our present benefit. And thirdly, he rules for our eternal benefit. Our Savior is king. He rules as head of the church. Now, Israel was waiting for a Messiah who would rule their country and protect them from all their enemies, especially the Romans. They expected an earthly kingdom. That's why just before Jesus ascended, the disciples asked him whether he would restore the kingdom at this time. At that time, they did not yet realize that Jesus would rule from heaven. That his kingdom was not an earthly Israel. That his kingdom was something much greater than they were expecting. That it would encompass all the world. However, they soon learned 
And at Pentecost, Peter could teach the people that Jesus was now ruling from heaven. He did so by quoting Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. He made the point that Psalm 110 is not talking about David. David was dead and his his tomb was amongst them. They could go outside the city and visit it. This psalm is talking about Jesus, the promised offspring of David, who would rule on his throne forever. Peter could tell the people of Israel that Jesus was no longer dead, but had risen from the dead and was now enthroned at the right hand of God. The right hand of the throne of God symbolizes the place of power. Just think of what Israel sang after the crossing of the Red Sea and the, the destruction of Pharaoh's army. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. God the Father, who rules over all creation, has given the Son the position of full authority over creation. The Father now rules all things through His Son. This means that Jesus is now ruling over creation. And he does not rule with some human authority, some limited authority, but with the unlimited authority of God. It means that he has an authority that is so great that is absolute. It means that no one on earth can do something without him knowing about it. That no one on earth can do anything unless he allows it. Now let's put that fact together with what we confess in Lord's Day 19. We confess that Christ ascended to heaven there to show that he is head of his church. Christ is not just in heaven a supreme ruler over everything. He is also in heaven as head of his church. He rules as head of the church. And that's a great comfort to us. The one who controls everything that happens on earth, the one who decides what the governments of the earth will be allowed to do, the one who decides how much injustice the church will be allowed to suffer, is the one who suffered the wrath of God for the church. Because of his great love for us, he has united us to himself with his Holy Spirit. He is our head and we are the body. He not only loves us, but he never forgets about us. We are not some unimportant group, hidden, unseen among the billions of people on this earth. No, we are his precious body, blood bought by his own blood. He rules as our head, with our eternal well-being on his mind at all times. When the Trudeau or Ford governments tries to or succeeds in passing a law that hurts the church or attacks the church, it is with King Jesus' permission. Things may not be pleasant for us. We might suffer much, but it is a suffering given to us us, the church, by Jesus himself. While we may not understand why Jesus allows us to suffer 
we can know with absolute certainty that he loves us with a love that is so great that is incomparable with any love that we have ever known. He was willing to set aside his glory as God to be humble and abused as man for us. He was willing to be nailed on the cross, rejected by men, by the very ones he came to save for us. And on top of that, he was willing to suffer God's wrath for our sins. Our Savior is King, and he loves us. He is ruling in heaven with the purpose of bringing his kingdom to fullness to bring us to himself in full glory. While we may not understand his plans, we can be absolutely certain of his love for us and whatever he does is done in love for us, in great love for us. It does not matter how much injustice we suffer on this earth. We can suffer knowing that our head is king aware of our suffering, and in full control of it. We can suffer with the comfort that our head rules over us. And that brings us to our second point. He rules for our present benefit. Whatever the church faces, it does not face by itself. We know that Christ, our head, is in full control of the situation. And this is a great comfort. At the same time, Christ is also actively involved in caring for us in every situation that we find ourselves in. Our confession speaks about two benefits of Christ being glorified to rule all things from his Father's throne. First is that through the Holy Spirit, he pours out gifts from heaven upon us, his members. This speaks about our Lord equipping us with various gifts. In the early church, he gave various gifts to prove that his church, to his church, that the gospel was from God and not from man. That's why in the early church, he had the, the church had the gifts of, of tongues and prophecy and healing. He also gave and continues to give those who have the ability to teach and shepherd the flock. Paul speaks about Christ's gifts to men, saying, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the work, the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. It's from Ephesians 4. God gives the church men who are gifted to teach the church so that the church is not deceived by Satan. God also gives the church the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, etc. 
These are gifts that allow the church to react to the various things that come up in life in a godly manner. By nature, we react to difficulties in a sinful manner. By nature, we hate those who trouble us. But the Spirit allows us to love them. By nature, we grumble and are bitter in the times of difficulty. But the Spirit allows us to have joy during these times. By nature, we want to fight when we are attacked. But the Spirit allows us to live peaceably. By nature, we want our difficulties to be resolved now. But the Spirit allows us to be patient. By nature, we speak un or act unkindly toward those who trouble us. But the Spirit allows us to treat them with kindness. By nature, trouble, us, trouble attempts us to respond with sin. But the Spirit allows us to respond to injustice with goodness. By nature, we are tempted to give up on God and on His promises when Jesus allows us to be tempted. But the Spirit allows us to remain faithful to Him. By nature, we are rough with those around us when we go through difficulties. But the Spirit equips us to be gentle with them. By nature, we quickly give in to our urges in times of difficulty, especially then. But the Spirit equips us to control ourselves during these times. And notice also that our catechism says that his, but through His Holy Spirit, He pours out gifts. In His care for us, our Savior is not stingy in providing us with what we need. He pours out heavenly gifts. He gives us, His church, all that we need in times of trouble. There is no way that we can say, Jesus, You made us go through all this suffering. And yet you did not need to give us what we needed to deal with this suffering in a godly manner. Our Savior equips us liberally through His Holy Spirit. That is the first benefit we receive from our head ruling on, our, on His Father's throne. The second benefit is that by His power, He defends us and preserves us from all enemies. In this life, we are constantly surrounded by enemies. We have to constantly deal with our sinful flesh, the world, and Satan himself. We are constantly under attack. And yet, we can be assured that we will not be defeated. No matter how bad it gets, for our Savior rules as kings as king, and he defends and preserves us from each one of our enemies. He knows the weaknesses of our sinful flesh. And he does not leave us alone, but equips us by his power, by his Holy Spirit, so that we are able to stand against our sinful desires. Our king knows what is happening in the world around us. Remember, that's not, there is nothing that is not under his full authority. And He guarantees that He will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability. He guarantees that He will equip us with all that we need to deal with temptation. 
And he also guarantees that evil will be limited so the world will not be able to destroy the church, his body. That's the goal of Satan, our third enemy. He hates God and the church with a passion. His full-time work is trying to destroy us. He prowls around like a lion seeking someone to destroy. But he is no match for the lion of the tribe of Judah, for Jesus. While on the one hand we may not dismiss Satan as if he is no threat, on the other hand, we can fight and resist him knowing that we have the power of our king on our side and that because of that we are able to resist him. That's why James can also say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. In this life, our Savior will preserve us. God led David to write in Psalm 110, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your youth will be yours. It's a bit of a difficult verse, but it speaks about the Lord's people coming out to battle in full force. They come willingly, offering themselves freely. The Lord changes our heart so that we willingly come to serve Him. And they also come in holy garments, unstained by sin. For we, God's people, are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and given clean garments to wear. God promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars of heaven, as the sand that's by the seashore. Psalm 110 say they'll be as numerous as the dew. God promises to renew his people's strength, giving power to the faint and strength to the weak. Psalm 110 says that we'll be full of vigor as youths, as church. We are constantly in the midst of the great battle between Satan and our Savior, the King. And yet, we do not need to be afraid. For we know that our Savior rules as King, equipping us, His body, with everything that we need in this life. And defending and preserving us from our enemies. From every enemy. Our Savior rules for our present benefit. That brings us to our third point. He rules for our eternal benefit. Even though Jesus, our Savior and King, is in full control over all creation and equips us with everything that we need in this life, we will still suffer. In this life, we often do not get justice. There's often sorrow and persecution that is not resolved by a just judgment. We may be bullied for our faith and never see the bully punished. Governments may make laws that cost us our livelihood because of our faith, and our livelihood may never be restored to us, or the loss may never be made right. People may steal from us or harm us without leaving any evidence that we can bring before a judge before an earthly judge. In this life, justice is often missing. 
Now, one of the tasks of a king is to make final judgments on a matter. Although there may be lower courts to decide on cases, the the most important or difficult cases can end up being judged by the king. And our Savior is such a king. While we may not get justice in this life, we know that justice will be done. We know and confess that Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead. At the end of time, he will return on the clouds of heaven as the final judge. His judgments will be perfect. Without any mistakes. And the sentences that he imposes, the judgments that he makes, will be eternal. Our Savior and King will come as supreme judge. Now, it can be quite frightening to think about coming before a judge. Even if we are innocent, the the prospect of coming before a judge is not something we often look forward to. But what does our catechism say about coming before our judge? In all my distress and persecution with uplifted head, I confidently await the very judge. Confidently await. We have no need to be scared of our judge. Instead, the thought of our Savior, our King, coming down to judge heaven and earth is something that we can look forward to with confidence. We know what's going to happen on that day. We know we will be acquitted. And that is because our judge is also our priest. He is the very judge who has already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place and removed the whole curse from me. We read in Psalm 110, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. When our King Jesus comes as judge, he also comes as our priest. The one who sacrificed himself for our sins. And this means that we have absolutely no need to be frightened of his judgments. We know that of ourselves we would be condemned by him. But in him, with him as our Savior, we are innocent. He has borne the curse. And there is no way that the one who has borne the curse for us, who has paid for our sins, will then make us pay for them as well. That would be unjust. We may eagerly look forward to the day of judgment. But there are others for whom that day will be a horrible day. Because on that day our king will cast all his and our enemies, into everlasting condemnation. Our Lord may allow our enemies to hurt us much in this life. We may suffer much, but they will suffer eternally. No matter how powerful they are in this life, no matter how immune they are to persecution in, prosecution in this life, justice will be done. No matter how well they can hide what they have done. Our Savior will know exactly what they have done. And he will ensure that justice is done.
And notice how our catechism describes the enemies. His enemies and mine. For Christ's enemies are our enemies. And our enemies are Christ's enemies. Those who hate the head will hate the body. Those who attack the body attack the head. Think about Paul. We talked about him this morning. Who was Paul persecuting? Jesus. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Right? You cannot separate the head from the body. And the punishment for those who hate our king and hate us will be most severe. It'll be everlasting punishment of body and soul. Scripture describes it as a lake of fire that never goes out. It is not a light thing to sin against God. It is the greatest of insults and will be met with the greatest of punishments. Justice is severe. And justice will also be final. There is no corner of this earth where anyone can hide. There will be no king or nation that will escape this judgment. As we read in Psalm 110, The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. The final judgment is the last time anyone will ever stand before a judge. For after judgment comes peace. Psalm 110 finishes with this picture of peace. He will drink from the brook by the way, therefore he will lift up his head. The king, having destroyed all his enemies, can now refresh himself by the brook. And from that moment on, there will only be joy and glory. Our King and Savior will take me and all His chosen ones to Himself into the joy and glory of heaven. There will never again be injustice. There will never again be sin. No one will ever speak against our Lord. No one will ever rebel against our Lord. No one will ever sin against His neighbor. We will all live in peace with Christ our Savior and with one another. We will live in heavenly joy and glory. Heavenly joy and glory. Such a wonderful thing to look forward to. And yet such a hard thing to imagine. Nothing on earth can compare. The, the most joyful and wonderful moments that we have ever experienced in our lives cannot compare to the joy and glory that we will experience in the life to come. It is something heavenly. It is something extraordinary to be enjoyed in the life to come. So brothers and sisters, even while we suffer in this life, even as the world around us seems to grow in their hatred for us, even as we suffer injustices, that will never be made right in this life, we may rejoice. For we know that our Savior is King. We do not have to worry because He is in full control over whatever happens to us. As our head, He provides us with everything that we need to deal with the suffering that He sends our way. 
We also know that the suffering is, is sent for our good, even if we can't understand it. And he is also defending and preserving us from every enemy. And while those who grieve us may not be punished in those this life, we know the day will come when our Savior and King will return on the clouds to destroy all his and our enemies and take us to himself into heavenly joy and glory. Praise God for such a wonderful reality. Praise God for such a wonderful outlook on life. Amen. Let's come before our God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we confess that you rule over us. We confess that you are the supreme King and Lord. And that you care for us every moment of every day. At the same time, the sorrows and persecutions that we face in this life can be too hard, so hard to bear. Sometimes it seems too hard to bear. And Lord, sometimes you send us things that we can't understand. We don't know why you are making us suffer this way. And yet we trust that you are in control. We trust that you rule over us in love. That is all part of your master plan to bring your kingdom to fullness. Lord, help us to always trust in you. To remain faithful to you in times of difficulty. To call on you as our king to hold us up. To strengthen us in the faith. And Lord, help us not to be fixated on the injustices that we suffer in this life. Lord, there are times when people hurt us so badly. So badly it affects us for the rest of our lives and they are never brought to justice. There's no earthly court that can bring them to justice. Lord, help us to be at peace knowing that justice will be done. That their sins will be paid for either by themselves if they continue to live as enemies of you and of us or they will, be paid, they will have already been paid for by our Savior, the very one who paid for our sins. Lord, thank you that you will not allow sin to remain unpunished. And thank you also that we can look forward to the great comfort that one day all this suffering and misery will be over. That all the hardships that you bring on our path will be over. And Lord, as we face the difficulties of this life, Lord, work in us never increasing desire for the life to come. Help us to grow in our appreciation of the life to come, to grow in our desire to be with you in eternity. Help us to let go of this life. Lord, we also ask that you be with the government who you place over us. Whether local mayors and councillors, the Niagara Council, 
Mr. Ford and those who run Ontario, Mr. Trudeau and those who run Canada, be near to them and give them wisdom in making their decisions. And Lord, we also ask that you bless the good that they do and curse the evil plans, put an end to all evil that they plan. And Lord, we also ask that you show mercy and grant that those who govern us may be brought to the faith, that they may come to acknowledge that you are their king as well, that they then may rule under you, acknowledging your kingship. Lord, it would be so wonderful for those who rule without you to then come and find you. Lord, it would be a great joy for us. It would also be a great blessing to our country. Lord, we ask that you be with our, children, our brothers and sisters who are in government at various levels. Give them wisdom as they seek to be a light and what can often be a very dark world. Help them to advise wisely and grant that their work may be a great blessing to our town, our city, to our province, and to our nation. Lord, bless us also in the week to come. Help us to live our lives acknowledging that you are our king and living as your servants, as your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.